It's that time of year. Cash the ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni. We shift the focus from football to college hoops, getting us ready for the tournament where we're going to break down all the matchups and have an eye on some future plays too. Search Cash the Ticket on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Jonathan and Kitty, and we are talking to the medical director of infection prevention at Unity Point Health Meritor. That's Dr. Dan Shirley. And Sir, we've got a lot of questions for you. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. All right. So uh, let's, I mean, let's just start with some of the basics of, uh, I think, people wondering, you know, it seems like it's constantly changing what's happening with the coronavirus. But let's talk about people being outside as the weather is getting nicer. If you're walking, you know, with people that you're staying with in your home, you're still going to pass other people outside that you don't know. The six-foot rule doesn't always seem to work like on the bike path or maybe downtown. How dangerous is it, really? Like, what should we be doing? Well, I think um, everyone seems to be doing a pretty good job of um, spacing out when they can and and not going out unless they need to. That could be need to, like, get some supplies or need to get some fresh air. But I think um, from my just observations of – how people are acting, kind of walking around. Even um, people do a good job of spacing out. Right, so but in the in the yeah. scenario where you can't actually um, space out by six feet, I think um, the other part of this is just being mindful of um, you know your own symptoms, but also uh, other people. And so the maximum space that you can um, space out that that's the ideal situation. I think that all of this is going to um, continue to change. You said that uh, things are changing, and that literally is every day. Um, I think, you know, nationally there's some uh, movement towards uh, discussion about masking when people are outside of the home. Um, And so we'll see in the next coming coming few days whether um, that's going to be a a recommendation or not. Um, And what that is targeted at or what that is um, sort of getting at is uh, how many people are sort of carrying this around but are asymptomatic? Um, and then how does that spread? And that, um, in the initial kind of view, is very close contact. Um, so, you know, I think just passing by somebody is very low risk. They kind of have to, the idea is it has to, they have to like sneeze or cough on you, I guess? Is that? Or touch you? I think it's uh, it's kind of layers of risk. So, yeah, sneezing and coughing on a sort of unprotected person, you know, uncovered, that would be a fairly high-risk situation within six feet. Um, but that's, you know, obviously very unlikely to happen just passing by somebody. Um, the rest, I think, um, what they're sort of trying to um, decide is, you know, if sitting face-to-face with somebody in close contact, even if they're not sneezing or coughing, could that transmit it? And, you know, the caveat there is that it is close contact, so it's not something where you would pass by somebody. Right. Okay, if it's a little more extended. All right, so let's say you do venture out to the grocery store as opposed to having groceries delivered. Um, That whole thing, I feel like I'm making myself crazy. You know, I wear gloves, but then I look at the paper I'm holding. If you grab a can from the shelf, should you really not put it back? I mean, can you kind of walk through, I don't know if you're going to the grocery store or not, but probably the proper way to do it. Sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's probably on everybody's mind when they go to the grocery store or any other kind of shopping experience right now. Um, and I, I think that the, the overriding theme is that, you know, not that you should be thinking about this for the rest of everybody's life, but, 
you know, the, the basic things are still very important in that, you know, when you're preparing food or you're about to eat, you know, washing your hands is the backstop to all of this. Um, and so that is where the risk would stop, basically, or how you could sort of have a backstop to, to preventing any kind of transmission. Um, as far as the items themselves, um, I think, you know, most grocery stores these days are pretty well set up to, you know, kind of help you out with hand sanitizer in the grocery store. Um, some are wiping down carts and things like that. Um, and as an infectious disease um, physician, that all makes me feel actually pretty good because that's the kind of stuff I worry about in every, like, cold and flu season mm-hmm. um, when I go to the grocery store. So, um, you know, I think that the high-risk things that people are touching a lot, like carts and that kind of stuff, I think the grocery stores are doing a good job of uh, protecting, actually, or allowing you to protect yourself. The items themselves, um, I don't think I would suggest going so far as trying to wipe them down or anything like that. Um, it's, you know, for fresh things that you're going to wash anyway when you get home, or you should. Um, I think that would still be the advice. And then all the um, things like bags and, you know, perishable or non-perishable goods and things, um, I personally wouldn't suggest trying to go crazy and wipe everything down. Um, in some ways, especially the perishable foods, you could do more damage than good. So I was, uh, we're talking with Dan Shirley from Unity Point Health Meritor, an infectious disease specialist. Uh, is this virus, I mean, the regular flu virus, could you catch that from, you could catch that from a shopping cart or you could catch that from touching a can of beans or is this virus more catchable or, you know, does it spread more or is it just because it's so unknown and it causes so so many problems that we're worrying about it? Yeah, I think that um, in some ways there, you know, a lot is still being learned about this virus, but it is still a coronavirus for which we have lots of those that cause colds, you know, every year. Um, so, you know, cold viruses can be um, on surfaces, and then, you know, that's why everybody gets colds all the time. They're very transmissible. Um, influenza is a little different. Um, it's mostly just a respiratory thing. Um, you could still maybe pick it up off of uh, something, but that's pretty unlikely. Um, so, you know, in the realm of something that you could pick up from, you know, somebody else or the or objects, but the the biggest thing for this is that it is new and that people, most people don't have immunity to it. And that is very different than um, other coronaviruses where, you know, some people, this is what we call herd immunity, where enough people have it that it's not going to spread through a population super fast. We're talking to Dr. Dan Shirley. He's the medical director of infection prevention at Unity Point Health Meritor. Um, When you go like, you know, Kitty and I are both in the office. We're staying apart from each other. But then like the, the clothes we're wearing, like at the end of the day, if you're out, is it a good idea to wash those clothes, you know, or you go to the grocery store, take those clothes off, and then those are your going to the grocery store clothes? So, um, you know, this is a big deal in healthcare settings for sure. Um, you know, that's actually always um, a big reason why uh, hospital workers wear scrubs, for instance. Um, and really something that we honestly should do a better job of in the healthcare setting. Um, but that is such a, a higher risk than the general public, that um, that same model doesn't really translate just to, you know, every day walking around. Um, and I go back to the same thing, that, you know, you're always subject to getting something on your, 
your clothes. Um, that could go as far as something that, you know, a sneeze onto your clothes, which is way, way more risk than just passing, passing by something and running mm-hmm. up against something. So I think you would have to use some judgment there, but it's definitely not a, a blanket recommendation that you're going to have, you know, grocery store clothes. Um, I think the same things. If it is obviously contaminated, that's a different situation that you would want to wash them. Anything we should be eating that would help us more? I mean, healthy for foods, our, I guess. For boosting our immune system right now? Yeah, there's nothing special to relate to coronavirus, but certainly it's a good idea to always uh, get your nutrition as, as optimal as you can. Um, so, you know, fruits and vegetables like anything. For I would just treat it like protecting yourself from any cold in the, in the winter. Um, same kind of rules. Okay. And not to, like, scare everybody, but you know how some years when – they make the flu vaccine, they'll say, oh, you know, we kind of didn't do the best formula and a lot of people are uh, getting the flu this year because it mutated into something else. Is there concern that, you know, we'll come up with something, but then this pesky virus will mutate into something else and we may be doing this whole thing again in the fall? Yeah, so there's a, you know, a lot of theories around how this is going to go, obviously. I think everybody now is aware of this flattening of the curve and trying to spread out how long this kind of goes so that we don't get a peak that we can't handle in the hospitals. Um, You know, how long that is going to get spread out in the first place is a question. Um, And then what happens after that is kind of what you're asking, you know, like what if we do um, do all the social distancing and it goes away, is it just going to come back um, later? Um, I think people worry about that a risk a little bit. Um, The hope is that we can stress this out long enough so that you know, a couple of things could happen. One, we get a vaccine that works. Um, you know, that's still some time away. But the other thing is that a um, certain number of people will have infection and get over it or never have symptoms at all. And then those people, if there's enough of them, could protect the rest of us. So um, that's usually how this goes away in the fall for things like influenza or your everyday colds. Um, it just kind of reaches uh, – a path that can't be transmitted so easily anymore, and then it fades off. So I think in this, um, some of these rules that we're following right now about social distancing and just being extra vigilant about hand hygiene and stuff, um, that stuff will need to persist for a while to keep this um, away or at a low level after this big hump. We're talking to Dr. Dan Shirley from Unity Point Health Meritor. If you could be like in charge of everything, would you think like how some countries have really kept in, like I've heard stories of maybe in South Korea, even in China, where they were like, you know what? Nobody goes out for two weeks. Go get your stuff. And then everybody has to stay in for two weeks. I know that's impossible to do here with 350 million people in a country like America. But do you think that if we could do that, it would really flatten the curve a lot faster or not necessarily? Uh, definitely it would. Obviously, you have to be... Uh living in the real world in in our context. But, you know, even within the United States, though, some places are doing this better than others, and it's already noticeable um, on this kind of curve flattening. So Wisconsin is doing a pretty good job, actually, uh, as far as we can tell so far. Um, And so two things will happen then. Um, You know, this peak will be less high, potentially, and and more flat. Um, But also there just hopefully will be fewer cases in general um, if people are, like, putting themselves in a position and not transmitted as much. Um, so um, I think the South Korea model is something to <laughs> certainly note and uh, even, you know, try to craft some interventions around. 
Um, I think that's going to be an important, very important thing going forward of trying to replicate some of the things they did, especially around testing um, and isolating people that are positive, whether they're symptomatic or not. So I think we're starting to get more testing available, and hopefully as we expand that, that will help us figure out, you know, who is uh, either infected but asymptomatic, who needs extra care, um, and get that um, divided up faster. Okay, one more thing. The fact that the whole world is working on this. Uh, like normally when we work on flu vaccines, are we just doing that or do we team up with other scientists in other parts of the world just when we're reg- getting ready for our regular flu season? So you're, you're talking about vaccine. I yeah. Assume, and yeah. Um, I think, you know, definitely this is a worldwide effort. Um, this is definitely not something that's a solely United States um, issue. Um, the the interesting things are that the vaccine development got a little bit of a head start because of uh, similar coronaviruses, um, MERS and SARS, um, where they sort of already knew that these coronaviruses had some targets that they could um, take advantage of. Um, so the, the problem really is not making the vaccine, but um, testing it to make sure it's safe. Um, so that's what takes the time. Um, and, and obviously, because we don't have SARS, uh, first SARS and MERS here, uh, the collaborations are international for sure. So, but it's not too many cooks in the kitchen or anything is what I'm kind of asking. Yeah, luckily we have uh, a lot of uh, things set up in the scientific community to avoid that problem um, or at least promote working together. I will say that this um, is definitely encouraging as far as that goes of a lot more sharing even than usual of research and treatments and things. Great. Well, uh, Dr. Shirley, thank you. Um, I don't know. I feel a little more calm now. I do feel a little better, too. Although I'm sure it'll pass in about five minutes. But we thank you. And so your job day to day now, are you on the front lines? Could you describe a little bit what you have to do day to day? Sure. Um, You know, infectious disease is an odd field in the first place. So, you know, maybe this is our time to shine. I don't know. But, uh, you know, we do we kind of get involved in complicated infections and, and new infections like this, too. Um, and we're usually consultants, um, so we certainly see patients that have these types of infections. Um, the other big part of it is what you mentioned, my title is infection prevention. And so that is the whole apparatus to try to prevent spread in hospitals and protect our healthcare workers. Wow. So I'm involved at that at Meritor, but also UW Health. Gotcha. Um, once we're all able to get back together and you're at a dinner party, you're going to be the most popular man at that dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Shirley. We appreciate you taking a few minutes with us. Thank you, guys. Take care. Bye. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 